0: For our message this morning, let's turn to the book of Matthew. book of Matthew, and this will be in chapter 6, and this is verse 19 to 24. If you're able to, I ask you to stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. We do this because this is holy scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. Here now is the word of the Lord. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light... You think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Thank you, and please be seated. This morning we're continuing in this Sermon on the Mount series, and so let's look closely at the passage we just read together. We often view the idea of storing up treasures as being somewhat limited to our our sense of giving, but honestly, we do this by our acts of service as well, our acts of service in his service. There's a sense in which giving money to support God's work is somewhat like investing in a, a brighter future, but we really should take this attitude in everything that we do, fulfilling God's purposes in all the things that we do. And I might add, we do this as parents, and grandparents as well, anybody who fills those roles in the lives of young people. This includes teachers and coaches and youth leaders, even school music directors. We store up our treasure in our time that we spend with young people. Now I'm gonna speak about this a little bit more as we near the end of the message, but let's focus this morning on a correct understanding of treasures If it's the wrong understanding, it leads to our heart focusing on the wrong thing. Whether we admit it or not, what we treasure the most is what will control our priorities in life. Now we need to remember, God's blessings to us are his good gifts. To have money and to have a lot of possessions is a good thing, unless it becomes our primary focus. I might add, ambition is a good thing, so long as it doesn't become more important to us than God himself. We need to be able to see what God wants us to do and to see, to see the world from his point of view. And very often, serving God is one of the best ways to help us get back our spiritual vision. In that sense, we can't have a bad case of spiritual myopia, nearsightedness. But our challenge is we live in a very materialistic society. And there are many people that spend their lives collecting and storing possessions, only to die and leave them behind. Any of us that have faced the challenge of going through and disposing of the contents of a home will understand how this can happen to any of us if we're not careful. There's an old saying, but it's true. You never see a U-Haul trailer behind the hearse in a funeral procession. Jesus is reminding us, let's not fall into that trap where we're so enamored with our possessions. 1 Timothy 6.10 reminds us the love of, Of money, not money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Jesus is contrasting heavenly values with earthly values when he explains our first loyalty should be to the things that do not decay, can't be stolen or used up, the things that don't wear out. He's speaking of those things that are not subject to the wild swings of valuation on Wall Street or to the very fickle nature of public approval. So, with that in mind, Here's a saying. It's not in the Bible, but I think it's a biblical saying, and that's the following. We should not be so focused on our possessions that they end up possessing us. Now, again, this doesn't mean money and possessions are bad. It also doesn't mean you necessarily give away everything you have. It just means that the things we have are God's good gifts. He has plans for us as far as how to use those things, You might say, well, but Jim, I earned those things, and I think that's a true enough statement, but don't forget, God not only gave you the ability, he gave you the ambition, he opened the doors of opportunity for you to earn those things. As you live your lives, do your jobs, seek good career opportunities, be ambitious, of course. Just remember, put God first. He is the one who's been with you every step of the way. So let's dig into the passage here a little bit. Verse 19 to 21 is focusing on the set of priorities. It points out that to be primarily concerned with what we have is the wrong perspective. For one thing, Jesus is saying it's really foolish. Those things don't last. When it comes to so many things, nothing lasts forever except the things of God himself. But here in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus focuses us on making choices in life that reflect God's priorities not our preferences and comforts. So let's look at the structure of the passage. Verse 19 starts out with, basically it's a a statement of a prohibition. And I'm going to quote from the classic translation now as a contrast to earlier the paraphrase version I used. He starts out in verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. And then in verse 20 is the antithesis of that. The contrast. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and thieves do not break in and steal. It's very consistent with the earlier portions of the Sermon on the Mount in using these antithesis statements. There's this contrast between, don't do that, do this. And then he gives the basis for it at the beginning of verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's a vital reminder, and I would say that Many of us would recognize this in ourselves. We're really inconsistent, but one of the few things that we're really consistent about is that we can be blinded by the things that we value the most. If those are all the things of this earth, particularly possessions and money, we end up making choices that probably aren't pleasing to God. Now that being said, I'll admit something to you. I didn't always follow that particularly as a, as a young teacher. I'll tell you a brief story from the fall of 1990. It was my eighth year as a teacher and it was my second year in Midland. And it was the beginning of the school year. And as the high school band director, that first football game performance was always tough to really get ready for. And the game was on a Friday night and we had a rehearsal on Thursday night to see to it that we had one extra time to get ready. well, I received a phone call earlier that week that my mother's dad, my grandfather, and we were not particularly close with him, even though he only lived a few miles from us. But he was in uh, really going downhill fast, and he died the next day. So they were going to have a viewing on Thursday night and a funeral on Friday morning down in the Detroit suburbs. It's only about a two-hour drive from Midland. But I remember telling my parents I didn't think I was going to make it. I had this rehearsal on Thursday night, and... The last class rehearsal was on Friday morning, and the game was that Friday night, and so I wasn't going to make it. And there's a visitor that I received at the high school, um, first thing the next morning. It was my boss, the coordinator of K-12 music, a man named Larry Smith, who comes to me and he says, do I understand correctly that you're not going to go to your grandfather's funeral? And And then he said, I want you to listen to me. And he had been kind of my mentor during my time when I was in Gladwin. And he had been watching me, and he apparently had me in mind for that position at Dow High when it opened in a few years. And he pointed his finger at me, and he said, you get your priorities straight. And he said, God first, your family next, and your job third. And I always remembered that. Larry was a Methodist, by the way. (laughs) I don't know if that matters, but... A couple of years later, Larry suddenly became ill and passed away very quickly. I ended up basically falling into that job, and I was in his job for the next 16 years. And during that time, what he said to me always stuck with me. It was one of those moments in which somebody who was older than me and wiser than me ran the risk of offending me and even hurting me to see to it that I recognized that I was on the wrong track. Sometimes we have to do that is people who are older, hopefully wiser, but if we see something, we shouldn't be shy about sharing that with somebody who is younger, but who we think has great potential. And Larry always believed that I had potential. Our priorities need to be right. So, let's continue on. The next passage, it's an interesting one. It's going on to this matter of the eye and light. It starts out, and I'm going to read from the classic translation, verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. And then first there's an inference. For if thine eye be single, the old translation says, it means healthy, thy whole body will be full of light. And then it has the antithesis of that in verse 23. If thine eye shall be evil, meaning unhealthy, the whole body shall be full of darkness. And then it gives a rather ominous conclusion. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. It's a powerfully worded passage and very poetic and lyrical in the classic translations. Jesus is giving us a powerful warning about how our focus and our priorities define where we place our heart. Now, in verse 24, Jesus makes another assertion, gives two inferences and then a conclusion. Verse 24, no man's able to serve two masters. First inference, for he will either hate the one and love the other. Inference B, or hold to the one and despise the other. And then the conclusion, you cannot serve both God and mammon. In this case, mammon is the Aramaic term which refers to money and or possessions. The point here being, he may bless you with wealth in terms of possession or money or both. And if he does, well, that's his good blessing to you. But always pursue God first in your life. Always pursue God first in your life. Let's look just a little deeper before we wrap this up. Verse 19, the prohibition, lay not up for yourselves, treasures upon the earth. That could be speaking about an action that's currently underway. Jesus could be saying, stop that. Or it could be aimed at preventing a future action. In the future, don't do this. Either way, he's saying, don't make this mistake. And in verse 19, he uses two examples. Clothing and precious metals, they were indicators of wealth back in the first century. Even people who had very little would hand down their clothing as an inheritance. People who were fairly wealthy kept their clothes locked up for fear that moths would ruin them. These are all parts of the imagery that Jesus is using. Precious metals have always been a source of of wealth, People would hide it under the floor of their homes to protect it from potential thieves and to protect it from the elements so it would not corrode. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus contrasts these temporary earthly rewards with eternal rewards. Why does he say this? Well, verse 21 tells it to us. He says, For where your heart, for where your treasure is, let me get my order right, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And it's interesting. Heart the Greek term kardeia, from which we derive our term cardiac. It meant, in Greek, the inner person, the very seat of understanding, knowledge, and will. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It means we give priority and loyalty to the things that are the greatest significance to us. Jesus is asking us, what's going to rule our lives? Our worldly possessions or the things of God? Now, verse 22 is a passage that some Bible scholars say is the most difficult passage in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Now, I'm going to ask us to get philosophical for just a moment. Consider this question. Does the body receive light from the eye or does the body perceive light through the eye? Let me word that again. Does the body receive light from the eye, or does the body perceive light through the eye? I suppose the first statement is true enough, but the second one is a matter of how our our mind processes the information. In theory of communication, this is sometimes called the attitudinal filter. And in the paraphrasing version of verse 22, if your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. And I, I might add the term healthy speaks about our perspective. So in this sense, it's the lens through which we view our purpose in life. When the light of God is shining into our life, a generous spirit results. And that individual will illuminate the lives of those around them. It's much like Jesus' teaching earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, the section called the Beatitudes, in which he's describing the characteristics of a true, born-again, regenerated, saved-by-grace believer. If we're seeking and following him with a truly regenerate heart, This is how we will see the world and how others will perceive us. Now, Jesus sums this up in his final saying in verse 24 about the two masters, God and money. In our relative affluence here in America, we may be blessed with possessions, comfort, wealth, at least in a a middle-class sense, and these are good gifts from God, but our, our first focus must always be on God first. Why? Well, he gives us the reason. He says we can't serve two masters. We'll love one more than the other. And even if we could love the two of them equally, God's not pleased with that. Why? Because to place anything at the same level as God, let alone above God, that's idolatry. And it violates the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. His point here, trying to please two masters, ultimately results in us choosing between them. Only one of them can receive our true loyalty. The other will inevitably become the lesser. So let's take a look at applying this to our lives. We all have a master of some kind. Jesus is presenting the idea of his heavenly father as the loving master, and he contrasts this with the idea of wealth. When it's misused and misunderstood, wealth can literally function almost as a slave owner. We must... Give our all to God as our loving master, not to our worldly possessions and privileges, because we become possessed by those things that we place first. Finally, I want to go back now this morning to what I said about parents and how we place our time, our effort, our love, our treasure in our children. I'm speaking to parents everywhere. Parents who have made mistakes and parents who got most of their tasks right. Parents who were patient and kind and parents who sometimes struggled with that. Parents who are Christian believers and parents who have yet to come to a saving faith. Every case, a parent has the opportunity to store up a treasure in heaven by effectively raising your children in the Christian faith. It's one of the many reasons why we want to support parents. We want to encourage them to store up treasures in eternity considering that their child not only may change their community for the better, their child may change the eternal destiny of others through the light of faith that shines in them. It's another reason why we plant the seeds. The Holy Spirit is what grows that seed. And so to the parents and grandparents and foster parents and people who fill the role of parents all over this community who have invested their time and their treasure In children, may God bless you with the love and the patience and the faith to continue in this honored role. May we as a society turn from the direction that we've been going as a society. May we always seek to support those who fill this role. Jesus said, store up our treasures in heaven where they don't corrode and where no one breaks in and steals them. This is what we do through the love and the care that we provide for our children. So may God bless the role of all who fill, the role of fathers and mothers in the lives of young people everywhere. Why? Because what we teach our children on this issue bears fruit for generations to come. Until he calls us into his presence, or until he returns in power and glory. Until that day, we carry on and we keep our eyes on Christ. With that in mind, will you please pray with me? Oh, Lord, this is one of those messages that, like so many portions of your word, it has the potential to be offensive. Help us, Lord, to know that everything that you've given to us, from your Ten Commandments to all of the key teachings throughout your word, are here for our own good. They're here for our blessing, for our guidance, so that we keep our eyes on you. So that we follow the path that you have planned for us. So we don't keep repeating the mistake that Adam and Eve made years ago when they thought they knew better. Help us, Lord, to love your word more than anything else. And help us to love what your calling is for us more than anything of this world. At the same time, help us to recognize that the good gifts you've given to us are good gifts. They are blessings. And they are here to be used in your service, to your glory, and to your honor. With that sense, Lord, restore our vision. Remove our spiritual nearsightedness. Lord, be thou our vision. We ask this in your holy name. Amen.